Good morning, marketers, and welcome to the If You Market podcast, brought to you by Mountaintop Data and Joto PR. We're the only podcast that markets the shit out of it. I'm Sky Cassidy, and today we'll be talking with Christian Banach. I believe it's it's pronounced. That's going to be a tough one for me the whole time. But uh, Christian Banach of Christian Banach LLC about finding seven-figure agency deals, how to close the big deals for agencies. Christian helps agencies get off the revenue roller coaster and land six, seven-figure deals, opportunities predictably. And I think, Christian, that predictably word probably seems really important. Absolutely. Well, Sky, first and foremost, uh, thank you for having me. Really looking forward to our our conversation here. Uh, But yeah, predictably, uh, that is... uh, a big challenge for agencies who tend to like to start their new business efforts when they lose a client or are slow. And then as soon as an RFP comes through or they land a client, they forget about new business and ultimately they go up and down. And what we do is we really help them level that out and have a consistent lead flow. Okay. That's interesting. My thought was that it was just that they were inconsistent with their ability to close them. You're saying that there is a very distinct reason. It's basically they get the work, they're going out and doing the work. Once it's over, now they're looking around, where's more work? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's kind of a joke in the industry called the cobbler's kids have no shoes, you know, syndrome mm-hmm. with agencies where uh, they do a fantastic job of sales and marketing for their clients, but they don't do such a good job for themselves. And, you know, it's generally because of clients, you know, the client work will always take precedent. Uh, and then them, they themselves are not treated as a client and then their efforts get pushed to the side when they get busy, which always ends up happening. Yeah, I mean, that's quite a debate. Do you want to go to the cobbler, assuming people go to cobbler still, that his kids have no shoes or the best shoes in town? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question, right? Apparently he's spending all his time working on his kids' shoes and he's not spending any time on yours. He's just going to throw some garbage at you. Yeah, sure. They always do make that joke, but, you know, the captain goes down with the ship kind of a thing. Maybe you do want an agency that's focused on you and not on themselves. Yeah, sure. Well, I always say, too, I mean, how could you trust uh, working with an agency to do social media if they're not even doing social media for themselves? You know, so I think think having a, a really robust program, you know, actually speaks to the level of work that you will do for them. So they should have um, maybe... You're, you should be their priority, but they should also be able to get to themselves in a, just as a case study, if nothing else, to show people, yes, look, we can do this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think it, it all boils down to prioritization. Uh, there, there, is, there is always, I don't like the word, I don't have time. I think it's just, you don't have, you have not prioritized it yet. And, right. you know, and I understand, I mean, a lot of agencies are fueled at least initially through word of mouth and referrals. And in the beginning, they don't really need to do, you know, quote unquote sales. That's how they started off. And, but inevitably what ends up happening is that uh, word of mouth and referrals, you know, ends up drying up for them. It just becomes too unpredictable. You don't know what's going to come through the door or when maybe it's not the type of deals that you actually want to be working on and you need to figure out a, a different way to go about it. Right. And one of my thoughts initially coming into this was, Okay, how does this apply to different size companies? That's something I like to ask frequently. I believe a lot of our listeners are probably in the small to medium business segment, just because that's 99.9% of all businesses. And then I realized, I don't know if it applies to, I mean, are we only talking about the small to medium sized agencies? Because the large ones are large. So obviously, by definition, they constantly have large clients to, uh, to work with. 
Yeah, well, most of our clients that we work with, uh, I mean, we do have a, a wide range, right? But most of the clients we work with are 10, 20 person agencies that are still going out there and winning these bigger deals. And, and we help them uh, do that. So it, you don't necessarily have to be uh, you know, an enterprise level agency to win an enterprise deal from Coca-Cola. Uh, so when we work with our clients to help them understand like what niche they can serve and, and where they could best add value to those bigger companies. Uh, and then we also work with the larger agencies, which you would think that they have their act together as well, but they're blessed in the way that they have a lot of inbound opportunities and big opportunities. Uh, but they're not really set up from a more of a proactive approach. Uh, and they run into the same challenge as smaller agencies do is that they don't know when that big RFP is going to come through from uh, a search consultant. Uh, or maybe, again, it's not the type of deals in the business they want to strategically grow in the future. Mm. But the challenge is really the same, uh, whether you're a large agency or a small agency. So they're on the large agencies are on a roller coaster also. It's just higher off the ground all the time. But it's still yeah. up and down kind of. They have, I guess, larger volumes of people working to fulfill these clients' needs. And so for them, a dip may mean we only have 10 seven-figure clients we're working on right now, but at full capacity, basically it means, are you at full capacity or not? They have all the staff for 20 clients maybe of that size. So sure. they're, they're still having this uh, ebb and flow of, of the, the large, large accounts. Sure, sure. Yeah, that's a great way to look at it. And even with their team of business development people that they often have, they're usually focused more on just responding to those RFPs and pitching, not necessarily proactively going out and, and seeking out new opportunities, which really is a different skill set to, to be a hunter versus you know the more of the farmer. Right. So you'd already said that the even the small agencies can win the large deals. So it isn't like if you're a small agency, you only get you know the two hundred dollar accounts, and if you're a large one, you get the two million dollar accounts. Uh, what is a big or a small, you know, I'm not, I'm not versed in the agency world. What's considered a large account or deal for an agency and what would a small account be? Sure. Uh, well, I think, you know, from a, it really can run the gamut, right? There's, uh, there's a lot of agencies that have kind of sprouted out, which is really a, a guy with his laptop that might be working with, you know, local businesses to help maybe buy and sell, uh, you know, social media ads and, and they may only be charging a few hundred dollars a month for their services. Uh, then on the larger end of the spectrum, some of the big agencies are maybe seeking out deals that are worth three to $5 million annually. So it really could, you know, be a, a wide spectrum uh, across the board, depending, you know, on, on who you're trying to serve really. And, you know, what we like to, to look at some of the smaller agencies is that, you know, what is that unique problem that you're able to solve for clients? And then we, we really try to work with them to try to level that up. Um, and, and really become a specialist in a certain area, because even some of the bigger agencies um, or bigger clients, I should say, will work with smaller agencies if they're really good at one specific thing, because some of the bigger agencies, they may uh, be big, but they're, you know, they're not as nimble as some of the smaller agencies are. They may not be as innovative as some of the smaller agencies. So really trying to figure out if you're a smaller agency, you know, what is that niche that you can carve out and then go and find those maybe one step or two step bigger uh, clients so you can start leveling up. Right. So don't maybe don't try to do the whole package agency type thing for somebody. You're talking to Coca-Cola, you don't, you're not going to handle all of their marketing and advertising. Have one niche if you're a small agency and you're going to go after big clients that you can still worth probably a very large deal 
versus doing trying to do everything for small companies, getting that um, one thing you're really good at that you can then outcompete the large agencies for? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, maybe you're really great at TikTok. Um, mm-hmm. You know, well, own that. Uh, and is that a thing? Can you be great at TikTok? I don't there know. There are there are agencies that are specializing in TikTok. Yes, um, and, and it's hot right now. Uh, but you know, a brand like Coca-Cola, you know, their big, you know, traditional agency probably is not, you know, on top of the newest, you know, trends in, in TikTok. But maybe you could be. And when you they probably with- had the same response I did, they're like TikTok. That's not a yeah, thing. yeah. <laughs> but you know, you think of a of a company like the size of Coca-Cola. You know, TikTok alone, you know, that program could be in the hundreds of thousands or maybe millions just for that one specific, you know, channel. So, uh, so don't right. underestimate something very niche with some of the big big companies. Awesome. So you guys have a program. I want to make sure we, we kind of get through, you have a a process. I don't know. I'm feeding you words. You tell me, what do you have to help agencies be more consistent uh, with the more predictably closing large deals? Yeah. So we, we have developed a process that we call propel. And this has been really an evolution, uh, that has come from my background. So I'll give you a little bit of uh, information about how I got started. So actually I started an agency when I was in high school and I didn't set out to start an agency. It was really a a bunch of friends I got together and we rented a banquet hall out and we threw uh, a dance party for all the, the local high schools in the area. We had a ton of fun and made some money along the way. And that then grew into another event, another event and became the way I was able to pay my way through college. And shortly thereafter, uh, we got approached by an experiential marketing agency that was looking for some help with some uh, street level type promotions, which we were doing already for our concert business and events. So we started working with them and uh, the events would go off without a hitch. Uh, They gave us more business that led to other agencies finding out about us. And then that led us to think, hmm. Uh, we're working directly to agencies. Why don't we skip the agencies and go directly to the brands and get all the money then? So we cut the middlemen out, started going directly to the brands. We were working with Allstate and Disney and some really big companies. And that's how my business was for the first you know, 15 years. And I was kind of in what I'm just talking about. I, we were blessed in that we had business coming to us. We were doing really innovative things. We were doing a really good job, but we really didn't have a proactive new business program. Right. Well, fast forward, the recession hits 2008, right? And our business then really dropped the concept promotion business, the experiential marketing business. And we were scrambling then to try to get clients. I had hired a sales consultant that came in that, that helped us, um, but it was honestly a little bit uh, it was too little, too late. And a couple of years after that, it was uh, after treading water, it was time to just close up shop. Um, but along the way, I really learned a lot about biz dev and I really developed a passion for it. And for the last you know, eight or so years, I've been working strictly with agencies in business development roles, uh, independent agencies, holding company agencies across different disciplines. And over that period of time, I've developed this process, you know, get back, getting back to it called Propel. Uh, so it, there's a lot of mistakes along the way. Uh, and really uh, what the company is really founded for today is I want to help the me's of the world that was 10 years ago. I want to help those agencies not make the same mistake that I made. I mean, so, you had a very successful company and then it ended up, you ended up having to close shop because you didn't have the consistency Basically, I mean, if you had a large fund on the side, you probably could have said, "Okay, we got a dry spell here. We're gonna, uh, we're gonna live through this." But it makes me think that you know some companies seem to have a death by success kind of 
it's like you're successful for a while. So you don't develop the muscles to go and generate the business. You don't develop the departments. Maybe you don't even have marketing you're doing because you're so successful. And then any little blip in the road and it's, oops, we never learned how to do this because it was, it was almost like it was handed to you. You're a trust fund baby company. (laughs) And so you just didn't learn how to work. You didn't learn how to do that one part when there's a drought. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and I see it, unfortunately, with so many of our clients that we work with today, which, uh, again, I, I really want to be that, that I would love to be able to put my hand on my shoulder. I want to be the person that puts the hand on the shoulder and say, it's going to be okay, right? I've been through this, and this is what you need to do. So, so that's where Propel comes in. And it, it's, a, it's an acronym that, you know, I can walk you through what the different steps are. But, you know, first and foremost, to, to zoom out a little bit, you know, we really strongly believe in taking an outbound sales or outbound new business approach. Uh, so by that, I mean, you know, cold calls, cold emails, social media to directly try to engage the types of prospects that you want to be doing business with. Um, so it, it's not, you know, relying on referrals and word of mouth, like we talked about, it's really being more proactive and strategic in who you want to do business with. So, you know, so with that, there, there are obviously strategies and tactics in order to be, you know, successful at it. And, and I certainly experimented and tried so many along the way, some worked, some didn't, um, but ultimately landed at a really repeatable system that develops that, that proactive, um, and, and predictable pipeline for, for clients. So this is your business. Maybe you've got some some trade secrets in there, but the more you can give to the listeners on the Propel, if we can go through the acronym even and and uh, just touch the surface. And then if you can give uh, us some more info on it that we can put on the show notes as well, people can go get more uh, from you if you want. But we like to try to do a thing here where we say, okay, if people really want to get this done, maybe some of them can come to you and say, can you do this for us? But if they want to do at least some of the stuff themselves, um, you know, let's get uh, let's let's give them for free enough to to get some of this done themselves uh, if, if that's the path they want to go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy and excited to to walk through that today. So, so the first step is is the P in Propel, right? And it's it stands for pivotal problem. And what I mean by that is we work with our clients and advise them on trying to understand what is the problem that they are uniquely solving for their clients? So it's really digging in, looking at the work that you've had for your best clients and understanding what was their problem. A lot of times, you know, we run into clients that say, oh, we want to win an airline business or we want to work with restaurants. And, you know, that's fine. That's great. You know, but what is the problem they're solving? Because honestly, prospects, they don't care about you. They don't care about how many awards you won. They don't care about any of that. They care. They have a problem and they need someone to solve it. So let's start first with that problem. Real quick, going back to the first thing you said here on the, on the show. Um, and by the way, we're, we're talking with Christian Banach yeah. about uh, how to land uh, seven-figure agency deals. One of the first things you were, uh, you were talking about here when, when finding the pivotal problem is not only what is their problem maybe, but is it something that you want to work with airlines, but if you're not uniquely suited to solve their problem, them having a problem doesn't mean that you should be working with them. It's like, if they have a problem with TikTok and you're an expert in TikTok, okay, now, now you got a, you got an in there, but if they just have a problem with some sort of exposure that you're not an expert in, then I guess that might be a problem for you where you say, maybe you shouldn't be trying to work with airlines. Maybe you need to find yep. different, uh, different target audience. 
Yeah, and that would blend into what the next step would be, would be our, the, the right to an audience. So, so we first do a, you know, an assessment really of what are the problems that you are able to solve. And then we go out and we find the companies that are experiencing that problem. And to your point, maybe airlines aren't experiencing that problem and that should not be a target audience of ours, but maybe there's another industry that, that is. So we, we dig in and we try to find out who are those companies uh, that are experiencing that. And, and, you know, and then we got to be realistic. We call it the right to win audience because we do oftentimes get clients that, oh yeah, I want to win Apple. I want to, I want to work with Google and, and Amazon. And, you know, that's great. You know, I, I admire that. I would love to work with them as well. But if you're used to working with just small local businesses, that's probably a, a large jump for you. Again, unless you have something super, super niche that you're doing really, really, really well. So we, you know, we want to examine and really be realistic on who you should be targeting. Yes, we're going to push the envelope up a step or two, um, but but we really have to have a right to win, not just a, a want to win. Right. So don't go after the uh, you know the she's out of your league syndrome. Uh, like, just don't go after people who are out of your league. Yeah, sure, sure. And, and, and not to say that you'll never win that, you know, but you know maybe you got to work with a company that's a step or two below. And then you build that case study, that credibility, that experience that then a year or two years from now, you can then go after those bigger fish. But it, it's a process. Right. All right. All right. Um, so, the, oh, I guess O does not stand for out of your league. Right. That was something that I made up. There. That was something you made up. But I, I like that as well. Um, but no, what O is it's what we call the compelling offer. So it's offering your prospects something of value, something that they perceive is going to be of value. Uh, so it's think about it as, as you try to make a deposit before you make a withdrawal. And, and this really comes from, especially nowadays, uh, there is just so much noise in the marketplace, uh, especially the biz, busy executives that you're targeting for these types of deals. They don't have time for just another 30 minute call to tell you how great your agency is and how many awards you won and all of that. Right. Uh, you, you sound like every other agency out there. So the agencies that are really starting to cut through are coming up with more creative ways to engage and start a conversation. So uh, it could come in the form of maybe a workshop. So we will help you, again, we figure out that problem, we figure out the right to an audience, and then we help you figure out what that prospect will perceive valuable. And then you go out and you offer them, uh, perhaps it's a free workshop. Uh, maybe you're targeting uh, you know, associations and you have experience in driving membership and retaining membership. So you can come up with a workshop to help them think through some of the challenges that they're having. And what this does then is it, it positions you as an authority, as an expert. It makes you stand out because you're not just, you know, trying to do a creds presentation to them. And ultimately it starts to build that relationship up with them. You're making that deposit before you're asking for something back in return. Excellent. It seems like, uh, it seems like there's two kinds of ways of closing the deal. And the first one is maybe the problem. And I see this sometimes there's the accounts where you get that call with them. Are we going to get this business? Uh, you're pitching them, whatever it is you're doing to try to get the business. And basically they have a problem and they came to you to solve it. And your sole job is to not screw it up because they don't have a, they're not talking to five companies. They just came to one company. They looked up, in the yellow pages and said, let's talk to these guys. And as long as you don't blow it, they're gonna do the business with you. And then what you're talking about really, the big deals, they are not just taking the first name in the yellow pages and calling it. They're going to be talking to multiple companies. So you need to give them a reason, like why would they go with your company versus, versus anyone else? And I think maybe a lot of these agencies that are having this roller coaster and up and down is it's, it's 
because they're relying on the people who just the deals closed when they first talk to them, as long as you don't screw it up kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the difference between an inbound lead. You know, they've, they've come and they've sought you out. Uh, you know, maybe they are talking to some other firms, but when we're talking more on a proactive basis, you know, they may not even realize that they have an issue. Maybe, you know, back to our example, we're talking about with TikTok, you know, maybe you examine that Coca-Cola is not doing anything in TikTok, but you believe that they should be. So you want to get in front of them and tell them what, what your experience has been with TikTok and how it's going to drive their business. And you're going to, you're going to get them to do something that maybe wasn't even on their radar screen, which is a little bit of a different sale, but it's also a way to really break through uh, to the, some of these bigger companies. I mean, I guess if they're not doing it, if you go to them and say, hey, have you heard of this new thing or an agency that specializes in it? Then you have carved out a real spot for you where you're not competing with anyone else because no one else is pitching them this most likely if it's, yeah. it's new to them. If they're not in the space, then you can be sure their current agency is not handling that, that particular channel, whatever it is. Um, sure. Which uh, leads me to think, do you have any favorite channels yourself? Any favorite uh, you know, billboards, online ads, email? What's, what's your kind of top marketing channels? Yeah. So, you know, again, we're, we're all bound focused. Uh, so it's, it's email, uh, it's phone and it's social media. And, you know, I hear a lot of people say the phone, you know, the phone is dead, you know, or, you know, at the time of this recording, you know, we're still in the, in the pandemic, you know, nobody's working in the office anymore. And, you know, to be honest with you, I mean, the meetings that our clients are setting or we're setting on behalf of our clients, half are coming from the phone still. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a very direct way to get on the phone email uh, it's more efficient, but it's also much more cluttered. I mean, just think about how many emails you get on a, any given day. Imagine if you were the CEO of Coca-Cola, the number of emails you would get. So, you know, it's really being present in multiple channels. And, so, and we oftentimes hear, uh, you know, they maybe it takes that first email that you send and then you leave a voicemail and it takes those multiple touches in order for them to really take you serious. Because again, there's, there's so many lazy salespeople out there that'll send one email and they don't get a response and that's it. So prospects are conditioned to just not pay attention because they don't think you're going to come back. But if they see you consistently across multiple channels, that might give them pause to stop and say, what is this guy actually hmm. trying to say? And it's then, a real person also like, oh, look, this guy's here. Right there it's uh the real person and and not only they're not just trying to get 30 minutes of my time to tell me how great they are they've actually taken the time to examine my business and they have they're willing to do something for me in order to get my attention so yeah i'm going to give them a shot so um so yeah so i think those are the main channels that that we tend to use um you know we've experimented with uh, video uh, and some other things but really it's it's email it's phone and it's uh it's linkedin primarily from a social standpoint Right, right. Yeah. I'm, and obviously with the channels, it's where are the people you're trying to uh, trying to approach. But I, I do love the email, phone, social combo. Social can be wherever your people are on social, but email and phone is kind of where everybody is, uh, for, especially in B2B, that the segment that our, our audience is in. Um, fantastic. We're going to take a quick break here. We're, uh, we're speaking with Christian Banach. Christian Banach of Christian Banach LLC. We're talking about finding the big deals for agencies consistently, predictably, and, uh, and their process for, for doing that, making sure you're not on the revenue roller coaster kind of, and uh, we'll be right back. Hey, this is Sean Campbell from Cascade Insights. Our focus is on working with B2B software companies. And what we do for them is we do marketing and research services. And if you wanna learn more about us, you can reach out to us at cascadeinsights.com. We've been working with technology companies since 2006. Welcome back to the Iffy Market Podcast. We've got Christian Banach 
on with us of Christian Banak LLC, still talking about finding those big deals for agencies and consistently, predictably finding them. Christian, I think in the uh, first half there, we went through the beginning of your Propel process, the PRO. Um, you want to jump straight into the PEL? Or actually, you know what? Before we do that, I almost skipped over you and, and, and your company. Can you uh, kind of tell the audience, we gave a brief intro, but a little bit about who you are, um, how you got where you are. You did give us some of that already, I, I guess, in the, your, your high school agency um, uh, background there, but in about what your company does uh, specifically. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, ultimately, you know, we are a new business consultancy that uh, works solely with advertising agencies and marketing service companies. And as we've talked about, we're really, our, our niche in the market is helping agencies land those six and seven figure opportunities. Uh, you know, as we've mentioned, you know, they oftentimes are relying on word of mouth and referrals and they, they lack that consistent, you know, lead flow. And, and we help them and we do that through, you know, really one of three different models. We have agencies that come to us because uh, they want to build more of an internal function uh, and we help them do that working with their agency principal or their business development team to, to build this propel model within their own agency on the other side, we have agencies that come to us and they tell us, you know, this is great. Um, however, we just don't have the time, the resources, whatever it happens to be to do this ourselves. So we have an outsourced services model where we become an extension of the agency's team and we do propel basically on their behalf and we'll set the appointments with the Coca-Colas of, of the world for them. And then we also have a hybrid version of that as well, where we'll take on certain responsibilities, the agency will take on certain responsibilities and we work together to, uh, to generate those leads. Nice. I'm going to do a little public service notice for the agencies here too. I imagine if they they're hitting the bottom of that roller coaster is not the right time to call you. Uh, they should probably look at it and think, Hmm, are we not doing enough to bring in the new large clients ourselves? And even if times are good right now and you have a full roster, that's probably the time to reach out to you and say, Hey, let's not wait till winter let's start prepping right now, knowing that you are going to hit some downtimes unless you do this sort of thing and you could, you could prep ahead of time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I love working with the agencies that have that foresight. Uh, I think it speaks volumes, you know, to, uh, to the agency themselves. And we would prefer, you know, after a big client win, you know, a, a great new piece of work to go to market on their behalf, you know, and really celebrate that and use that as leverage. Um, but, you know, I know that unfortunately that's not the case for all agencies. So, you know, we'll work with you, you know, no matter what stage you're in, but, but certainly don't, you know, think because you, you're having success that, you know, unfortunately, I, I, I hate to say it, but it'll last forever. You want to be prepared uh, in case something were to, to go the wrong way. Uh, and this type of program does just that. Yeah. Why would I talk to Christian? I'm doing great right now, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> then they yep. come to you in emergency. Oh my God, help. What are we going to do? You're like, well, get a time machine, come back to me a year ago, and then we can solve this problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That would be nice. Right, so short of a time machine, reach out before you start seeing uh, the, these inevitable issues start coming up. It's like, I mean, you said with your company, things are going great. It seems like there's no reason they wouldn't keep going great. You know what you're doing. Why would the company possibly go out of business? Oh, you hit a dry spell because this is natural. It's not, it doesn't mean the leaders don't know what they're doing or they're bad. It just means you, you had this blind spot. Christian's there to fill that blind spot. Don't wait till you hit the blind spot to, to, uh, to have it dealt with. Um, yeah. 
Fantastic. That's so. That's my again. That's the public service announcement for uh, for for agencies. There. Just don't wait till it's too late. So we hit PRO. We've got uh, PEL or maybe two or three Ls, depending on how you spell it uh, on the on the end there to cover. We covered the pivotal problem, the right to an audience, in the compelling offer or the offer compelling. Let's call it to keep the acronym clean. And then uh, the next one, the next P. What are we up to here? Yeah, great. Uh, so the next one is professional persistence. And by that, uh, you know, I mean, and we talked about this slightly already, you know, there's too many salespeople out there that uh, will send the one email and that's it. And then they wonder, you know, why are they not getting responses? And that was me. Uh, you know, when I first started dabbling in this, uh, you know, I, you know, I was really struggling, to be honest with you. I remember I, I was not consistent in my outreach. Some prospects might get one or two contacts others would get 10 or 12. There was not really a rhyme or reason, you know, behind it. And, and it was just really a haphazard effort. And I remember there was one client I was working with and they really wanted to win a business from an auto services company. So uh, I really went a little bit more aggressive than I had been doing with them. And it was probably a good 10 or 12 touches. And I thought I was nervous. I thought this guy's going to be upset with me. I've reached out 12 times, you know, to him. And I saw an email come through from that prospect. And he actually said, thank you for reaching out again. Uh, I've been busy. Uh, I've had this on my to-do list, but I haven't had the time to get back to. I appreciate your professional persistence. And a big tip on the, the, the thank you, I've had this on my to-do list. Once it gets on the to-do list, they're never going to get to it when you're a sales call. It's on the to-do list. They flag it. And it's on the they're never going back that deep into their to-do list. It gets buried, constantly buried. So yeah, if you're not persistent, if you're not there, it's, um, it's gonna die. I remember a sales guy when I was managing who um, was having a problem getting through to this one account he really wanted to get. And I just told him, call every single day. I'm like, well, they're, they're gonna get upset. I'm like, maybe they're gonna answer the phone. They won't pick up yeah. the phone for you. Just call every day. You're not harassing them if they're not answering the phone. If they answer and tell you to not call anymore, never call them again. But until you get them on the line and eventually the person, he got the person, she was upset. And then he talked to her and closed the deal. Wow. It's like yeah. calling you every day. I don't know if you're noticing my calls. I don't know if you're getting it. I just really want your business. I think we can help you. Bup, bup, bup. Goes through the, uh, the, the talk. Yes, here's what we can do. Boom, close the deal. Now she's happy. It's like, oh yeah, you, they, you, you don't really know if they're even getting your messages. You don't know if they're interested, but like you said, busy and flagged it. So you have to be um, persistent, but the professional part, I imagine means, you know, that's the, when they tell you not to call anymore, not calling anymore, maybe, or not calling 10 times a day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, persistence uh, certainly is very important. And to your point, uh, you know, you look at the email open rates, you know, you're, when you're targeting more enterprise level companies, you're maybe talking 30% open rate. So that means 70% of the people you reached out to didn't even see your email in the first place. And then of the 30%, how many? 30% actually- is really high, by the way. If you're cold emailing people, that's a super high rate. We typically see uh, open rates, you know, we're talking like 5% open rate and you're, oh, that's pretty good. That's great. Um, if you're sending small batches to much warmer contacts, um, people you've had uh, contact with before, you're going to see those higher rates. So just anybody listening, if you're not getting 30%, don't sweat it. And we're a data company. People buy cold data from us. And if they expected 30%, we'd be in trouble. Um, yeah, but yeah, sure. even 30, if you're getting 30%, you still have to reach out over and over again, just to have them maybe have seen the email. 
Yeah, absolutely. And with what we do as well is it's, it's back to my example that I gave, like there was no rhyme or reason. So we really advise as part of this step to build a sequence of events. So maybe on day one of the, of the program, you're going to send an email and then day two is a phone call and day three is another phone call, but we map that entire campaign out and we, we do this mm -hmm. in sprints. So like a 30 day sprint, this is how many touches, this is the different channels, all the emails are pre-scripted out. All the voicemails are scripted out. Everything is ready. So you don't have to think what your next move is. You just execute upon it. And with the messages that you send, you're adding value with each step. You're, I, I hate the, I'm just following up. I'm just checking in type emails, uh, you know, add value along the way. And especially if, you know, think about it. If you're offering them a workshop, you're not even trying to sell them something at this point in time. You're trying to give them something. So um, it's a big mindset shift when you're trying to offer someone a one-hour workshop versus you're trying to sell them on whatever services that yeah. you have to do. We've had to, by the way, we've had to tell our people, and I've noticed in my emails, I've, I've had to stop using it when I'm sending an email to somebody to follow up or to check in. Like, oops, can't put that in the subject line or the beginning of the email because basically people have been trained when you see that, oh, that means this is a cold email from somebody you've never talked to before and they're trying to sell you something. I'm like, uh-oh, I don't want to follow up with a client or check in with a client. So when we do regular check-ins with clients we haven't talked to in a while, it's like, can't use the word check-in anymore because salespeople have ruined that. Marketers have ruined it. Like now yeah. we come up with a new word that hasn't been destroyed by sales and marketing yet. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's really about creating a sequence of activities, a multi-channel sequence and adding value with each touch point. And that's what P is all about. All right. Professional persistence. Excellent. Um, let's keep moving on. Let's go through to E. Yeah. So the E is engaging messaging. And so now, again, we've, we've got our pivotal problem. We have to, to the right audience. We have our offer. We've got our sequence of events. Um, however, now we also have to make sure the message that we send is engaging. Again, we don't want to send these just checking in type emails. Uh, and there really is an art and a science to having an engaging cold email or uh, when you get somebody on the phone, you know, converting that call into a, a meeting. So let's talk first about email. Uh, email, you know, what we're seeing is that the, the 75 to maybe 125 words is really the maximum amount of words that you want to have in an email. Uh, it's got to be short and concise, but at the same time, you have to, you know, you got to be relatable in that email. It's got, it, it needs to seem like you actually personally wrote to them for a reason. Uh, you have to share your value proposition with them. You have to have a call to action. So you try to pack all of that into, you know, 75 to 125 words. It's a challenge, um, you know, you, but you got to have Mark Twain on your staff in order to yeah. do like literally trying to get all the information in. And we always tell people, don't assume they're going to even remember who you are. So you have to say, here's who I am again. Here's why, even with clients, like, here's why I'm reaching out. Here's what I want done next. Like you have to spell everything out somehow in a, in an email haiku. Or if you, if you write a whole book, I skip over. I talk about it all the time. I see emails. There's a couple of paragraphs, but moving on. Exactly. Slightly interested, way too many words. Next. Yeah. They won't even read it. So so we'll, we work with our clients on that, but that's very important. And, and again, especially if you're doing the enterprise level, it's got to be personalized. You have to demonstrate that this is not a robot that sent this. This is not a mass email that went out, that you took the time to research the company. So the Coca-Cola, you know what's happening in their business. 
And even down to the personal level, you know, you, you've, you've decided and figured out why are that, why is that individual at Coca-Cola getting that email? And, and they need to instantly mm. understand and know that. So uh, I'm thinking that you were sending uh, kind of volumes of cold emails with your, yes, if you're, if you're hand, if you're personalizing and, and individually writing up each email, then you're going to get much higher open rates because that just gets recognized. Yeah. They see the preview and they're going to respond. There's a great service and there's a handful like that, but we had them on the show um, a while back called Bomb Bomb, where you can actually make these little video clips and have them put directly into the email and the open rates and the responses are through the roof when you do any kind of personalization like that. One yeah. thing I would warn people of is if you're going to use a template or have an automatic message um, cadence set up, depending on who you're reaching out to, I deal with marketers, so we have to be extra sensitive because they recognize all the tricks and all the stuff. And I get emails all the time where I'm like, oh, this is a someone trying to look personal in a in a, a bulk send here. They're sending this message to everybody. They tried to personalize it a little bit. It's really obvious. And that's worse than if they just said, hey, I'm sending this to 100,000 people, including you. Or, or So I would say be personal if you can actually do it. But if you can't pull it off or you need to send a larger volume, it's okay for it to be a standard as long as the, the information's there. Don't get caught in between there where you're trying to personalize it in mass and it comes off as trying to personalize it in mass because people just get offended a little bit. I think even it's a, it's a major turnoff and you think now I don't want to even respond to these people because they're trying to trick me. And, yeah. and that is not, not appreciated. So either go all the way personal or all the way not, but don't get caught in the middle there. That'll kill you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree with that. So, uh, so yeah. And, and, you know, as far as then cold calls as well, you know, one of the big things that we call, we call it the golden rule of cold calling is that, you know, when you reach a prospect on the phone, your job is not to pitch and sell them uh, in a cold call. Your job is to move from an interruption to a scheduled interaction. Uh, so, you know, we don't, you know, a lot of times I see kind of more amateurish salespeople, you know, get all excited. They reach, you know, the CMO of some company on the phone and they try to pitch them right then and there. And the reality is they probably picked up the phone because they thought you were somebody else. Um, or they're running to a meeting or something else is happening to them. They do not have 15, 20 minutes to talk through your, your whatever you happen to be offering to them. Or so, even your, your one minute sales pitch that you could tell as soon as the person's like, I said, like, yeah, this is Sky. And the person, I can hear them now going into the paragraph script. And it like the tone of voice changes, the cadence changes, everything changes into, let me read off this pitch really quick now. Oh, I've got some small business funding or blah, 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 whatever it is they're trying, trying to sell. And it's just like, oh, well, now, again, you lost me because you just switched gears into a gear I don't like here. Yep, exactly. So the, the objective then is, you know, they're not in the right frame of mind to be making any big decisions like this at this point. But can you tell them enough to get them interested to schedule a call with you? And then at that 30 minute call, one hour workshop, whatever it happens to be, they're in a different frame of mind. They're coming prepared to hear from an agency, to learn about TikTok, to learn about the problem, whatever it happens to be. So your likelihood of converting that and taking next steps with them is astronomically higher than if you were to try to pitch them on some million dollar deal on a cold call when they don't know you from Adam. Yeah. The most important thing they learned on that first cold call is that you are not a prick that's going to waste their time. Yeah, <laughs> like he's selling them on that next little step instead of trying to close the deal again on, on the call. Here's why you should buy. Here's what we do. And blah, 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 here's what we give. 
Like, no, no, no. Get, get that next little tiny baby step. I love it. Uh, I, I love it. So that's the engaging messaging, whether it's on the phone, whether it's social media, whether it's email. And then uh, I'm sure you guys do this. You're doing those three crossing over kind of the multi-touch uh, type stuff. One thing we always did was make sure that we're referencing the other touches. So when we tell people, hey, leave a voicemail, nobody's going to respond to your voicemails. Don't worry. The point of leaving a voicemail is maybe they remember you next time. Um, you know, send an email, reference the voicemail, reference the, hey, I reached out to you on LinkedIn. Like you reference those things and they humanize you. It's like, oh, this is a real person actually trying to get in touch with me. And they remember that they also left me a voicemail and they're going to. So referencing the other point touch points we found in this kind of uh, outreach is, is really successful. It turns that pointless voicemail uh, into, oh, they heard your brand and they know that you're a real person reaching out. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. It's a, it's a tactic that we, we use as well. So we've got engaging messages. Now the, the timing is perfect for Propel, by the way, for the length of our podcasts. Your acronym fits perfectly into, into this. I'm looking at the clock and I'm looking at, we got L left and we're coming down here towards the end. It's a, it's a perfect fit. So thanks for making the acronym fit our show. Uh, absolutely. I designed it just for this podcast. So Talk about looking ahead, man. You guys are good at that. Yes, yes, very good. So we're down to the L here. We just had E, engaging messaging. What do you have for L? So L is, you know, you've done all this work. Now it's time to launch and optimize. Uh, so what I, what I mean by that is we like to think of things in sprints. We, we were inspired by, you know, software development that, uh, you know, there will be a, a sprint, an effort, and then you, you pause, you, you look back at what worked, what didn't, and then you move forward. So right. we like to break ours down into 30, 30 day segments. So we'll decide on a certain number of target accounts that we're going to reach out to in month one. And we get that into market. Uh, we execute just as we described with the, with the Propel model. And then at the end of that um, sprint, we sit down and we look at what worked and what didn't. Uh, so what we look at things such as from an email standpoint, what were the email open rates? You know, what were the click-through rates? What were the re positive reply rates? And, and, and how then do we optimize that for the next sprint? What can we learn from, from that? Uh, from a phone standpoint, we look at things such as, you know, how many calls did we make? What was our connection rate? How many of those connections turned into actual live meetings? And then we can then examine, you know, where might there be opportunities for us to uh, improve that as well? Uh, so it's a constant, constant iterative process uh, that you're going to want to take yourself through and you get smarter and smarter as you go. And, and as you have conversations with prospects, whether that's just brief interactions on a cold call or your actual workshops, you're going to learn more uh, about what the audience actually wants. Uh, you know, I have never really seen any program that gets it 100% right day one. You're going to learn along the way uh, and there's no better feedback. One of the things I love most about Outbound is you get real world feedback from your prospects because we could sit in a war room all day long thinking we know what the prospects want, but the reality is we, we don't. Uh, and the prospects in the market is going to dictate that to us. So, so we built that into this model here to constantly be looking at it, you know, every month really make concerted efforts to optimize that as you go. I love the time frame. I love the, um, you know, it's like, it's like you're doing artificial intelligence, but removing the artificial part, which I guess is just intelligence yeah. then. <laughs> you're, you're learning from it. So you have the, the launch and optimize, but I, I guess I, if I was to adjust your acronym, the French version, I would make a propeller. You could add an E on the end for evolve because you're, you're evolving yeah. the, uh, the 
you're, you're evolving the process every time you run it. Every 30 days, you're saying, what can we make better? What can we, that's um, a great thing. I think not enough marketers do. They either run a campaign and it works, so they run it over and over again, or it doesn't, so they throw it out and try something new. And it's like, no, no, find what worked, what didn't tweak, adjust. Always, you know, you're always uh, adjusting things and, and looking for how to optimize it and whatnot. Um, which is the the launch and optimizer, relaunch and optimize, but I guess then it'll be a propeller. <laughs> yeah, that might be a mouthful on that one. You could add a lot of additional letters, I'm sure, in the acronym here. But uh, that's awesome. Propel, uh, anything else people should know? I guess your agency does this specifically for agencies, right? That's your niche. That's what you guys specialize in. It's a, you know, it's a very clean, efficient, excellent lead generation um, system you set up here with Propel. If a company came to you that wasn't an agency and said, look, this is lead gen. That's great. We want that. We're not an agency. Can you do it for us too? Do you or would you take on non-agency clients or are you really committed to the agency niche? Yeah, no, I mean, I've worked with others that are not in the agency space. Uh, I think the Propel model is just as applicable to agencies as really any business was uh, or would be. Uh, we certainly have thought about expanding into other industries as well. Uh, we just know from our perspective, when we're proactively now, we're, we're drinking our own Kool-Aid here, proactively targeting agencies as our best right to win audience. Um, right. Now, if we have those that want to speak to us that are more of an inbound standpoint, we think we could be you know, as successful or even more, because to be honest, sometimes marketing to marketers is even more challenging than some of the other industries that are out there. So um, this, this model actually could, in theory, be more successful in other industries. Uh, but may, I guess you said more needed for the agencies because the whole marketing to marketers thing is that's who we market to. We know the difficulty of marketing to marketers. They all see Every other market, they're like, I'm trying to con people into buying my product. So I'm pretty sure you're trying to do the same thing. I don't trust you. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like not all marketers are con men. Come on here. We can, we can, we can do this legitimately, but yeah, very difficult audience to market to with the, uh, with the marketers themselves. So agencies marketing to the marketing people, I, I feel for you. I, I know how that, I know how tough that can be. And it's awesome that you guys have kind of uh, cracked the code here with Propel and unable uh, to get people so much success. Um, any last things you'd like to throw out to the listeners? Again, mostly, I'm sure there's some, some agency people in here too, but a lot of uh, B2B, B2B marketers listening. Yeah, I would say one of the other things uh, that is very important is your tools that you're going to be using for this as well. And, uh, you know, there's some great sales engagement platforms like Outreach and Sales Loft that should be looked at if you're considering a program like this. And, uh, and really, you know, a data platform. Uh, you know, I, I hate hearing from those that are doing something like this, that they're spending hours looking for contacts and emails and phone numbers when their services, as you know very well, Sky, um, that could provide this, you know, for there's, you. There's only one service. It's called Top Data Search. There is no others. Don't look anywhere else. There you go. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's just, it, it, at this day and age, uh, if you're somewhat serious, even, you know, you, you really should make that investment and you're going to, you're going to save so much time and see much, so much better results working with uh, a platform, you know, like yours, or, you know, maybe if there's some others out there. It's just a raw data. Yeah. Get it wherever you can. I always tell people, check out a handful of them. It's pretty quick and easy. If they don't make it easy, then that tells you what you need to know. Yeah. The ones that do, if you ask for a data sample from somebody and they don't get it to you or they want you to jump through a bunch of hoops, guess what? There's other fish out there. Come over to us. We make it very simple. Uh, also, I mean, you mentioned things, uh, the platforms for the actual outreach. 
And I know some of those work as kind of CRMs as well, but at the very least, please don't be working off of the spreadsheet. No. You know, yeah. something like ours, you can download an Excel spreadsheet. That should not be your CRM. If nothing else, use Outlook folders as a CRM mechanism so you can at least when you make the call, go to that person's folder and see what touches you've had in the past rather than, you know, the, out, the, the spreadsheet model that surprisingly so many companies do. There are free CRMs out there, really easy to manage this stuff. Get, get something in a CRM or I think you said outreach IO. A, a lot of those systems have uh, kind of an internal CRM type function. Salesforce, of course, everybody knows uh, Salesforce, but by, for God's sakes, do not manage an Excel spreadsheet for your uh, prospecting. Yes, absolutely not. I agree. All right. It's been fantastic here. Again, we got uh, Christian Banak on of uh, Christian Banak LLC and um, show notes. You can find a lot more about Christian and about uh, his company on the show notes here, including uh, you guys have a free masterclass. Uh, we'll have information on that there as well on kind of how to, what we've been talking about here. I, I probably, I'm sure a little bit more in, in depth though, and uh, much less rambling from me. So you can just get the, the straight content there. Um, other than the website, christianbanak.com, and uh, we'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile. Anywhere else that uh, people could go to find you or you want to send them? Yeah, that's the best. The website, I think, would be the best place. You can find all the social links from there and, and, and follow uh, accordingly. Excellent. And again, you can find the show notes and more information on Christian on uh, ifyoumarket.com. And uh, please share us on social media, tell a friend, if you haven't already, get on iTunes and, and give us a, a review and a rating there. And on behalf of Carla Joe Helms and the Ify Market team and Christian Banak of Christian Banak LLC, thank you for listening to the Ify Market podcast, where we believe when your agency markets the shit out of it and targets the big deals, they will come. Should you find yourself in need of targeted lists for your sales and marketing campaigns, have a look at topdatasearch.com. Our platform lets you quickly and easily search and download lists with email, phone, mailing address, everything you need for your sales and marketing campaigns. So if like many of our clients, you're sick of the high cost, poor data quality, and poor service of your current list provider, go to topdatasearch.com and get a free account, no seat fees, no subscription necessary, you only pay for data when you need it. Use the promo code IFYOUMARKET1000 and get an extra 1,000 free download credits. That's topdatasearch.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.